0: This is an AMI podcast. Welcome to Voices of the Walrus on AMI-audio, where professional readers give voice to articles from Canada's best general interest magazine. I'm your host, Roger Ashby. Racism's mental health fallout is staggering, but black Canadians aren't finding the care they need. Lori Wilson reads, all booked up, The Frustrations of Finding a Black Therapist, by Alicia Liu. Alicia Liu is based in Montreal. Her writing has appeared in The Globe and Mail, McLean's, Elle Canada, and Women's Health.
1: This is an article titled, All Booked Up, The Frustrations of Finding a Black Therapist, by Alicia Liu. In the early days of spring 2020, Shanae Donaldson, a Montreal-based marketing executive, quit her job in an act of self-preservation. The weathering effects of, quote, an aggressive and toxic work environment had left her with symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder and in need of help. Donaldson decided to seek out a therapist who would understand her plight as a black woman in the workplace. She wanted someone who could relate to the invisible tax of being black, to the all-too-familiar notion of having to work twice as hard to go half as far. But there was one problem. Quote, I tried to find a black therapist in Montreal, she says. If they were there, they were very elusive. When the search proved futile, she started sessions with a white teletherapist based in British Columbia. But the pairing, Donaldson says, was not a good one. Her sessions were often charged with microaggressions, and her therapist proved to be culturally incompetent. Quote, For my therapist to sympathize with me by saying she thinks black babies are beautiful just wasn't the depth I needed as I worked through my feelings, Donaldson says. I don't want to explain my healing process. I need someone who understands that I was given the talk at nine. She didn't get it. Donaldson's experience mirrors the challenge that many Black Canadians face in their search for mental health care. Given the erosive nature of systemic racism and its impacts on Black lives and livelihoods, the fallout is staggering. In January 2020, the Toronto Star reported that the rate of depression was up to 300% higher among Black Canadians as a direct consequence of racism. One 2015 study by the Canadian Medical Association Journal found that in Ontario, there were higher rates of schizophrenia among immigrants from the Caribbean and East Africa. The same research stated that, quote, Experiences of discrimination have been found to be associated with psychotic experiences, delusions, Ideation and attenuated positive psychotic symptoms. But even when Black Canadians seek help in spaces reserved for vulnerability and healing, they are often not afforded the care and humanity they need. The problem can be traced back to two roots how our mental health system operates and the monocultural makeup of most of its practitioners. On June 8, 2020, two weeks after George Floyd's murder, the Toronto Board of Health unanimously voted to declare anti-Black racism a public health crisis. It was a move that validated, albeit much too late, the ramifications that systemic racism had long had on Black wellness. But other than that, it didn't do much. There are many barriers for Black individuals seeking mental health care. Personal or cultural inhibitors such as shame, stigma, and distrust of the medical industry are factors. So, too, are the high rates of unemployment and lower average incomes that Black Canadians face. Mental health care remains unaffordable for many. But one other key factor can be less often discussed, the lack of diversity among practitioners. In one 2018 study from the Mental Health Commission of Canada, 60% of Black Canadians said they would be more likely to use mental health services if care were administered by a Black professional. And though national numbers are sparse, data from the U.S. shows that, in 2015, 86% of psychologists were white and only 4% were Black. Quote, Every other black therapist I know is fully booked due to an overwhelming surge of client requests and not enough black professionals in the field to assist them, says David Archer, a Montreal based psychotherapist. There is evidence of a direct correlation between patient outcomes and the race of the administering practitioner. Research published in the Asia Pacific Education Review found that clients, quote, tend to trust their counselors who share similar background experiences. And because of this, they are more likely to actively participate in counseling, leading to better results. This problem can be addressed only by building out the practitioner pipeline to ensure diversity among professionals, bringing more black students from classes to seeing clients. But that, too, is riddled with challenges, many rooted in racism. As Archer explains, black students often have to contend with, quote, hostile learning environments. Shakira Hamilton, a student at McGill University who has studied psychology, can relate. She has had to learn to protect herself while navigating predominantly white learning spaces, such as when a professor asked her to speak about Africa. Hamilton has never left North America. Hamilton attributes the lack of black therapists to the lack of representation within the education system itself. After nearly two decades of study, she has had only three black teachers. Hamilton says that, having never seen people like her in positions of power, she never imagined that black professionals could occupy those spaces. She says bluntly that institutions simply, quote, don't cater to black students. Quote, there are barriers and not enough resources for people like me. Of the top three psychology schools in Canada, the University of Toronto, the University of British Columbia, and McGill University, two confirmed that they do not collect race-based data to track graduate admissions. Hamilton tells me she's one of the only black students in her classes, and if her experience is representative of other schools, it's a sign that Canada's shortage will not be remedied anytime soon. The problems that clients face go beyond the lack of black practitioners. There is also the lack of culturally relevant teaching. Shanae Donaldson says psychologists are learning, quote, from textbooks written by white people and from professors ignorant of the black experience. Hamilton says that, in her experience, there are psychology students who find it hard to believe that race is a social construct and they could potentially go on to administer harmful care to black clients. Archer, meanwhile, ponders the possible ramifications for clients when therapists are being taught, quote, from a strictly Eurocentric perspective. Archer specializes in anti-racist psychotherapy, which he says aims to explain the societal functions of anti-Black racism and to equip clients with strategies to repossess the mental health consequences of it he understands the intrinsic link between the experiences of his black clients and their mental health challenges and subsequent outcomes. Quote, Racial trauma operates in a similar way like PTSD, he says. And like PTSD, it can carry similar symptoms, including thought intrusion and hypervigilance, something that may be particularly familiar to black clients who are having to wonder, is my therapist racist? He says the social construct of race is organized around trauma, a self-perpetuating cycle in which white supremacy and black suffering interplay, one feeding into the other. Hamilton believes that before therapists can meet the needs of black Canadians, they must change the ways in which mental health care is both understood and provided. It would require an honest inventory of how traditional gatekeeping has excluded certain cultural practices. One example, Hamilton explains, is Reiki. The Japanese practice of energy healing has flourished as a mainstay in Black self-care, owing to its accessibility and its effectiveness at relieving anxiety and stress. Meanwhile, Archer acknowledges that the value of a, quote, positive peer social system cannot be discounted in the grand scheme of black wellness. Donaldson knows this all too well. She had to rely on her own support system after her treatment with a teletherapist proved ineffective. And while a positive peer group is not a replacement for mental health treatment, black wellness cannot be removed from the healing that has long been derived from communal support. After all, it was in the church house, among one another, that enslaved black people often found reprieve. Archer adds that, while not everyone needs or has access to therapy, having the right community around you can make all the difference when it comes to mental wellness. After her own experience accessing mental health care, Hamilton understands Donaldson's frustration with the lack of Black professionals available. She puts it frankly, quote, there are not enough black therapists to provide the help that we need. Hamilton explains that she had her first therapy session at 11, but it's only recently that she's had the opportunity to see a black therapist. She says she has, quote, made more progress in one year than in all her previous years of therapy combined. Quote, I don't have to explain why my trauma matters. She gets it. And that is power. That was an article titled All Booked Up The Frustrations of Finding a Black Therapist by Alicia Liu
0: You've been listening to Voices of the Walrus on AMI-audio produced by Don Dickinson audio engineering by Jacob Shymansky and Bill Shackleton The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank and I'm your host, Roger Ashley. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a rating and review and subscribe for more. Hi, I'm Red Sail, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.